0: Hello and welcome back to World Music Matters. How nice it is to be talking music again after a few weeks of lockdown. I hope maybe music's helped you through this strange and often difficult time. You might have found some comfort listening to your old favourites. Perhaps you've discovered some new sounds like I did. Let's go. You're listening to Group RTD from Djibouti, a tiny country in East Africa right next door to Somalia. It serves as a gateway to the Suez Canal, which means it's become better known for being an important trading and strategic outpost. It's got French and US military bases there than it has for its cultural output. Group RTD is in many ways a hidden treasure. It's the national radio's official band. And it blends American jazz, Jamaican reggae, Indian Bollywood and Somali funk. In other words, it very much reflects Djibouti's cosmopolitan culture. (laughs) Djibouti remains one of the few places in the world where music has been under state control since the country gained independence from France in 1977. And so musicians are, in a way, government employees. Like all other bands, Group RTD's music has never been commercialised abroad. Until now, that is. Last year, US-based Ostinato Records became the first foreign label to be allowed to record music there, and they're now to release the groundbreaking album The Dancing Devils of Djibouti. We've talked about Ostinato Records before on World Music Matters, about how they dug up gems from the 1980s from Khartoum on the album Two Niles to sing a melody and unearthed lost Somali tapes of 1970s pop music from Mogadishu for their Sweet as Broken Dates compilation. The story of the Djibouti project began in 2016 and is the fruit of a happy accident. Ostinato's producer and curator, Vic Sahoni, had to track down author's rights for two of the songs on the Sweetest Broken Dates album. It turned out they were held by RTD, Djibouti's national radio. He went there, and after a tour of the radio and its extensive archives, the director at the time invited him to have a listen to the radio's band, which happened to be rehearsing in the studio next door. Sohoni thought, well, they might be a bit official, a bit institutional, but the jamming session he landed on turned out to be a total revelation, as he told me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He opened the studio door, this big, thick, heavy door and and we walked in and the band was playing and he said, just hang out in here. And uh, very quickly we realized this was not just some national, you know, ceremonial band. This was a very raw, gritty, tough, funky band. And you could see from the the people who were playing, a lot of these guys in the band were old legends, there was some young talent. But everything that was happening in there was world-class musicianship and we were really blown away. We saw them in 2016 and then it took quite a while before we could figure out how are we going to record them because the national radio didn't have uh, the facilities, their technology had not been updated in a while, so we really couldn't record them there so we were trying to figure out how to do that and it was only three years later, which was last year, that we had the opportunity to do so. So it really was uh, quite serendipitous how we came across them, but I knew as soon as we heard them this was a band that needed to be recorded. are on duty, which is when they are performing at national ceremonies or welcoming foreign leaders when they visit at the airport, when they come down the staircase from their airplane they're usually playing. When they're doing all that, they are certainly a very different band. But we noticed because the government had essentially taken the best musicians in the country and really created an all-star band, a mix of old and young talent, um, a lot of the young talent in the band had to win contests to to enter the band. So there's a bit of prestige involved in, in being part of this band. So in the studio that day, they weren't rehearsing for a ceremony or for a visiting foreign official. They were simply just jamming. They were doing their thing. And um, that's really what they continue to do after hours when literally the national radio is uh, about to close and all uh, the staff go home. They're in the studio just playing their songs and endless repertoire of songs, trying new songs, having fun, playing around.
0: We can hear that on one of the tracks called Luzo Demo, Look At Me.
1: Yeah. Even though this is Somali music, um, it has its own distinct Djiboutian twist or flavour to it that differentiates it from, say, the music of Mogdishu. So this music has a very diverse cocktail of different sounds and I think what's really incredible about Djiboutian music is not only the ability to take all the different cultures that have inspired the whole culture of Djibouti, the cultures of the Middle East, uh, particularly India, but what the musicians really grew up with and the three styles of music that they really constantly refer to, which I think was the icing on top of the cake for Djiboutian music, was uh, Jamaican music, which the guitarist uh, Mr. Abdi Razak listened to extensively, Indian Bollywood music and just classic Indian songs, which the singers said that they would watch to learn how to sing and to adapt their vocal styles and American jazz, which Mr. Mohamed Abdi-Alto constantly referred to as as his greatest influence. So you take those three styles of music and you combine it with all the different cultures that have passed through Djibouti because of where it is, and you have a really diverse cosmopolitan sound.
0: just a bit more about the band members, the old and the new. Uh,
1: You have folks like Mr. Abdi Razak, also from the 1970s Mogadishu Acclaim. The bassist, the drummer, they were all from the 70s era. You had Mr. Muhammad Abdi Alta, a national treasure, the best saxophonist in the country, and a very small country, Djibouti, less than a million people, so there isn't a large roster of saxophonists to choose from. And he's you know, not just the leader of the band, he's really the head of music in the country. I mean, I would say a large portion of Djibouti's musical history was composed by him, and most of the songs on this album were composed by him.
0: They've got a huge range, actually, on these ten tracks. We've got that real Bollywood feel on the opening track, Buraha Udia, which is sung by Asma Umar. She's one of the younger members of the band. And then Raga. Again, it's Asma Umar singing... She's a young singer who won a talent competition, is that right?
1: This was a vision of the former director who first showed us this band. He wanted to bring some young talent on board so the country had a competition to find young youth talent. And she is the only woman member of the band. It is largely a male-dominated band and I think uh, they wanted to include uh, a woman singer in the band. <laughs> remember when we were recording we went through so many songs with just the male singers and and we specifically asked at one point you know we've seen uh women walking around here rehearsing with you guys you know we would love to have a song with a woman singer i think it's Necessary because Djibouti actually has a long, strong tradition of women singers. Some of the most loved singers in the country are, are women, so it would be almost criminal to, to produce an album from there and not have a, a woman's voice from, from the country. She was very nervous because she knew this was a recorded album, so it took a few takes before she uh, was completely confident in singing and didn't make any mistakes. Uh, you know, she was quite shy, but once she got into her groove, she was just flowing, and you can hear that on the first two
0: tracks. <laughs>
1: The plan is to to have this band tour, I mean, we wanted to have them tour this summer, but obviously that's not going to happen, so I think she's perfect on stage, she has a very commanding voice, a very charming presence, so she's a star in the making, for sure.
0: Now, just tell me a bit about the recording experience, Vic, because it was all done so fast in just three days, which seems absolutely incredible. We had to
1: go through many, many days of intense negotiations, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red stamping, a lot of people that we needed to get approval from. And in fact, by the time we had done all that, we really only had a few days left. And the government explicitly said, well, you can only record 10 songs and you have three days to do it. So we knew right away that, well, we have a lot of work to do, and we went to the band and told them that we have three days. And they were kind of like, yeah, we know how it goes at the very top. This is how it was going to be. So okay let's do this. We're going to put our very best effort into it. This country hasn't had a commercially released album before. We're going to be the first. Uh, We know how important it is to record ourselves. We've recorded ourselves, but most of it's sitting in the national radio. It hasn't really traveled. So they were very enthusiastic about this. How did they keep going? Well, they kept going by chewing a leaf known as khat, which is a leaf that's chewed throughout the region uh, in East Africa and Yemen. Um, it's a stimulant not dissimilar to coca leaves in South America and uh, the band was constantly chewing cot and this was really what fueled the album because you needed that kind of high energy and there was a sign specifically in the radio which said uh, no cot chewing and no smoking and the band basically said to us well if we only got three days that's not a rule we're going to follow so they tore down the sign and you know there's plenty of cot in in the studio and uh, it's what they need to perform it's just their fuel and you know I, i think it goes hand in hand with the music
0: the actual technical challenges, did you have all the equipment you needed in that state-run uh, radio studio?
1: No, unfortunately we didn't. When, before we, we went to Djibouti, we called everyone at the radio to see what kind of equipment they had, and they basically said, if you want to record this in the quality that you want, you're going to have to bring your own equipment. My colleague in Germany, Janto Yasi, He was able to put together a portable mobile studio, which means we were able to bring together uh, very high-quality microphones, and a lot of them, and a very high-quality audio interface. In the end, we were able to capture everything in a really beautiful way because that studio is where every single song that's ever been recorded in Djibouti's history was recorded. So it has a lot of history, that studio. And because of that, it has an energy and and, and an acoustics, even though it's quite worn down, that is really powerful. I think a lot of what you hear in the album is a lot of the ambiance off that studio. That, that's really how we had to do it. It was about flying in a studio of our own.
0: That was Vic Sahoni ending this week's World Music Matters. And the album Dancing Devils of Djibouti is out on Ostinato Records on the 7th of June. And part of the proceeds from sales of the album will be going to help Djibouti with the fight against the COVID-19 epidemic. Keep safe and well. Hope you'll tune in next week. Bye-bye.